but sure o- okay uh, yeah overall what is what is your opinion on let's just start with the general opinion on on the war in gaza at the moment um i think that probably it should be stopped uh, i think that there's not plausible um like motivate there's not possible motivations that are worth the human cost um and casualties of the Gaza side so i think that there should be at least like an interim ceasefire if not like a sort of permanent end to military operations without uh getting the hostages um yeah i mean i think that there that israel might be able to do things like get um uh get do like hostage exchanges or sorry prisoner exchanges in exchange for the hostages um i'm not really sure that like i guess i don't know what the progress is i'm not sure that like israel has been that effective at liberating hostages so um but yeah i i think even without getting the hostages yeah i would say so and um with realizing that hamas will stay in power yeah i mean don't isn't that kind of defeating the purpose of the of the the war itself? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, it is, but I just don't think that the purpose is that. I just don't think that it's um, that like the purpose is not that important to me. You know, I think that like weighing up the purpose versus the cost. I just think the cost is higher. From whose point of view? From the point of view. Well, Cost just say from sort of initial moral evaluation. Sorry, can you repeat that? Yeah, just from sort of a neutral moral evaluation. Neutral moral, I see. Um, I guess it's supposed to, it's my moral evaluation, but like you know, I consider the the sort of utilitarian impacts on Israel and Gaza equally. I would hope. Sure, but I, I think I think the idea is that. Uh... So let's put it this way. Could you agree with the following two statements? Um, it is the moral obligation of the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, to protect its citizens. Um, I think I would accept a weaker form, which is like uh, given certain constraints, like the cost, the human cost of protecting citizens or something like that. In I've- Like I don't... I don't so okay, so the example is I don't take it that the Israeli Defense Force has a moral obligation to uh, protect their citizens if what's necessary to protect their citizens is to like kill every Gazan. So if uh, I mean it's a bit strange. So for, for the Israeli Defense Force does have a moral obligation to protect its citizens. I mean it's. We're not talking about um, you have to nuke the planet to do that or something along those lines, but it is their moral obligations to protect their citizens first and foremost. That's from their side, it's their army, that's what the, their job is. Yeah, but I think you should balance that job against other other like factors, right? Okay, so let's put it this way. How many, how many Israeli soldiers in the idea should die to prevent the deaths of people in Gaza? Hmm. I mean, uh, it's sort of hard to put like an exact number on it, uh, but I would be comfortable with something in the range of like uh, maybe two deaths uh, for every five deaths. So like I think two soldiers should, two IDF soldiers might die for like every five Palestinians or something. I'm, I'm, conf- I'm confused. 
Yeah. And confuses this uh, calculation. It doesn't. Uh... Yeah. So the, the numbers are what, not that what exact. Are we, what are we base? What are we basing it on exactly? So like kind of like a a god's eye view from like uh, yeah. far far away or something. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Would you agree that the moral obligation to protect the citizens of Gaza? Sorry, Hamas has a moral obligation as the governing force of Gaza to protect its citizens. Um. Yeah, so like just like the case of the IDF, I think there's like a prima facie obligation. Um, so so maybe they have like some reason to protect the citizens of Gaza, but I think it's going to be like susceptible to certain constraints, right? Like again, if what's necessary to protect the if what's necessary to protect two Gazans before is, before we uh, get to constraints, yeah. just let's just yeah. let's just set the you know the overview before we get to like nitty you know the nitty gritty sure. weeds and stuff and constraints just in general yeah okay so then yeah i will say there's like a protanto uh obligation for hamas to protect palestinians and the idf to protect israelis sure great would you say that hamas is doing their job um no would you say they're doing the opposite of their job uh yeah uh, yeah, so let, let me let me let me um take take this one. I would say that if uh, Hamas use their own citizens as human shields to protect their you know weapons, rockets, infra- infrastructure, and that kind of defeats the moral purpose of them protecting their citizens. Um, e- yeah, okay. So I I would say that they're like definitely not doing their job. I wouldn't say they're doing the opposite of their job because the opposite of their job would be like killing as many uh, civilians as they can, which I don't think they're doing. They're putting the instead of protecting their citizens, they're putting the citizens at risk. Yeah. So okay. I mean, I would say they're doing things that are counterproductive towards the goal of uh, protecting civilians. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um. Sorry. So back to your uh, overview. Uh, you you think currently it's. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make assumptions. You tell me if if I understood it sure. correctly or not. So there's just too much uh, casualties, and you yeah. think it needs to be stopped. And um, Israel either hasn't or will not ca- get their hostages back. So they need to do a prisoner exchange for terrorists for hostages. And. Uh, um, so- that last part is not quite true. I'm not sure if Israel will get their hostages back. But I think, first of all, from what we've seen so far, the cost of getting the hostages back is not worth it. And um, that there might be other ways of getting the hostages back by like pr- through like prisoner exchanges that would be less costly. Right. So that, what is the, I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Can you expand on the cost? Cost to the, the Israeli side or the Palestinian side? The Palestinian side. Okay. What, what, uh, what would you describe that cost as? Are we going um, by the the Hamas death toll? Yeah, well, we're going we're going by like uh, reported death tolls. I think that they're um, Hamas is like one of the sources, but I think there are independent ways of verifying them. Right? There are no independent ways of verifying them, not even by the IDF. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, you know, it's not like an exact verification, but um, I think that, for example, scholars have done things like look at the number of uh, aid workers as like a percent of the percentage of the population that have died and then use that assuming that they're like randomly distributed through the population what's is 
then you collect might, might expect that something similar to the portion of total Palestinians that Gazans that die is equal to the portion of aid workers that die. And then so, if you uh, use estimates, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so let me just, so the point let me is, just I, ask, is it estimates we're going by? Yeah. Yeah. It's estimates. Okay. okay. And uh, the conclusion of those estimates is that the Hamas death toll is what you would consider accurate, more or less accurate. Yeah. Okay. So just just run me by the numbers quickly. What is the death toll from your understanding? Uh, I last I saw was like above twenty thousand. I haven't um, I haven't checked more recently, so I'm not exactly sure what it is now. Okay, I think uh, they're saying it's twenty eight thousand. Okay, sure. Then twenty eight thousand. Uh, can I just ask? Are you aware that that number doesn't differentiate between civilians and combatants? Uh, yeah, but I think that like there's still um i still think that there's like probably a pretty high number of civilian deaths can we just quickly go over this so let's let's take the twenty-eight thousand just quickly um i i will say that the idf has said it took out sorry no go ahead i would say that the idf has uh said they've uh they believe they've taken out twelve thousand combatants okay sure so then, what that leaves us with, uh, sixteen thousand civilian deaths. I, uh, I would say just to stipulate. Yeah. Um, the twelve thousand doesn't include. Fi- so the twelve thousand is basically what they're certain of, and they try to connect uh, death to names that it's on their lists or, or on the yeah. intelligence list. That doesn't include people who are too low rank to not show up on those lists or any civilians has picked up a, a weapon and started firing. It's just what they are certain of. Sure. Uh, so um, it could be higher, but let's just stick to the 12K. So within, within those remaining 16K, how many thousands of Palestinians do you think Hamas killed? Oh, wait, directly killed? Like they either, shot them? Either directly, like they were trying to flee an area... That they wanted people to stay in, or um, you know, you know, like when um, Israel uh, does rooftops or or, or sends, does like phone calls, says you need to leave this uh, building, we're gonna bomb it, and a Hamas member calls and say, I'm not gonna tell anyone that you're gonna bomb this building. I want the people to die in it. In those kind of situations, or the more likely situation is uh, misfired rockets. Um, okay. Wait, so how many, I I think it's worth differentiating between the ones where like, uh, Hamas killed them by like shooting rockets that, uh, hit Palestinians or, you know, actually shooting Palestinians with guns versus cases where they used human shields or failed to notify, um, Gazan residents. Um, so I don't, I don't know how many that is. Uh, I don't know. Do you have statistics on this? I have an estimate. Okay. What's your estimate? So, the estimate is largely going on the misfired rockets. Uh, there's mm-hmm. been over over two thousand confirmed uh, mis- misfired rockets. So basically, they've sent I don't know like over ten thousand, and it has like a they've you can if you look at the skyline, you can see how many fell. It's over two thousand. Um, and noted notably or in infamously, there was one misfired rockets that. The Gaza Health Ministry said killed 471 people. That was on October 17th. So 
Wait, the, uh, which what what case was this? In October seventeenth, there yeah, was a were, yeah yeah I'll tell you where was it yeah. So the the claim was that there was an the original claim there was an Israeli airstrike on a hospital Al Al Hali Hospital. Yeah. And uh, the Gaza Health Ministry said, even though it was later turned out it was a Palestinian Jihad a misfired mm-hmm. rocket, uh, the Gaza Health Ministry said that this particular event killed 471 people, and they have names and IDs to confirm that number. And they are still saying that that is they the case. Say, they said it killed how many? 471. Okay, I... So why do you find this number credible, but you don't find their other death toll numbers credible? I don't. I don't think it's credible because I saw the actual site. Yeah, and uh, but I, I'm I not, also but, saw the site. But I'm not. Uh, I'm not actually debating the credibility because I'm. I I don't think that I don't think it's credible. But I'm not debating the credibility because we agreed to start on the number twenty eight thousand. I'm. I think it's between twenty eight and twenty nine. So let's say twenty eight thousand. Sure. And it's their numbers. So if if they're saying it's twenty eight thousand in general, and in this event they're saying four hundred seventy one people died, and that's still within the twenty eight thousand. So I'm saying that kind of gives us a metric as to this time's average rocket death. I mean, some rockets can fall. Mm. You know, it, they fall Wait, in sorry. Gaza, but yeah. some some rockets can fall and not hit anyone. We Wait, need some this... kind of estimate. So you're going to take the uh, Al Hali hospital case as like the like paradigm case it's like the average that we're going to use no i'm not going to take that as the average i'm going to take that as a a very high figure okay so first of all um i think that it's unlikely that there were 471 people killed so i wouldn't i wouldn't use that number right you have to use that number because it's part of the twenty-eight thousand. so so in in any in any which case it can't be lower than 471 right but the the issue is of course that i'm my base of the twenty nine thousand is not as we discussed before purely the gaza health ministry right like so i'm looking at uh other estimates that are used to approximate this um it's still so we're still using sorry so are you saying that uh we're disregarding that we're disregarding the hamas numbers we're going with twenty thousand instead of 28 no, I'm saying I'm not wed to the twenty to the twenty eight thousand number. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not. No, I'm not wed to the Gazan Health Ministry reporting on this. So if I think there's specific there's no cases, one, of there is no one else really. There, there really isn't anyone yeah, else confirming is, these numbers. Yeah. So for like the twenty thousand that I cited, or the twenty-ish thousand I cited before, mm-hmm. of, of what I'd seen in the past, there were other there were other ways of arriving that at that figure that didn't require Hamas, right? Right, but they but they're saying that they have a list of names and a list of IDs for the people. So they produced seven papers of list of names and IDs. Yeah, so here's what I don't understand, right? Is you don't believe the 471 figure, right? I, I don't. Looking at the damage, I doubt it. Highly. Yeah, so I also doubt it, right? So I, I wouldn't use that. I don't, I don't understand why you insist that I have to use that number because I, I so also the, doubt the it. The 400... So just from the Hamas figures, 471 yeah. is in the 28,000. They included right. the, that number. That's fine. But I said that I had alternative methods of arriving at my initial estimate, which was 20,000, right? Okay. So why is... Sorry. So are we going by your alternative methods of 20,000 and not 28? Well, okay. Well, the thing is the, the 20,000 uh, 
the as the estimate I'm setting is like nineteen thousand by November twenty fourth, right? Well, we're in end of February yeah, now, right? So you would expect there to be more than nineteen thousand. Okay. Okay. So the point here, uh, to be clear, is that your so the dialectic is that you gave the twenty eight thousand figure. I said, yeah, sure, that seems plausible to me. Then you say that if I doubt the specific case of 471 individuals dying at the hospital, then I have to doubt the overall 28,000. I'm, I'm not saying doubt anything. I didn't say to doubt one or the other. Okay. I'm just saying within the 28,000 that they report to all the news outlets and the news outlets are 30,000, 29,000 over and over again, 70% children, these... The, the, these lists comprised, or if you put them together, the 471 is part of that 28, 29,000. So I have, okay. to, I have to just use it because that's, if we're going by their numbers, I have to continue going by their numbers. But, okay, so I, I just, I don't understand your position here because even if, let's say that I think that zero people died in, at the hospital attack, right? Well, I, then, I wouldn't say zero, but. Well, I wouldn't say zero either, right? But let's just say that I said that zero people died there. Why does that make it incompatible with me thinking that like 27,000 people died or 28,000 people died? That's five, it's 500 off the total, right? I could still believe that like 27, 28,000 people died. You can believe whatever you want. And most people do, do uh, use that number. Okay, so, so then it, you have to re-explain to me, why do I have to accept the 471 figure? for the purpose of this conversation? Because that's what the Gaza Health Minister has reported. But why do I have to... But if I have independent reason to believe that they were wrong about this case, why do I have to accept that? Okay, then you have to take 28,000 and deduct 471 from it. Okay, sure. Yeah, okay, but... If you, I'll do it's, that. It's, no you can't, we, can't, we can't do that for one particular case because this is an example I used for uh, Hamas killing... Uh, Palestinians, it doesn't suit the narrative, so that we'll reduce one, but not the total. Well, the, so the point is that in this specific case, we have external evidence, right? So we have estimates by the United States. Yeah, we have yeah, we, have, we the, have intelligence agencies, but in all other cases and all and you know day to day reporting, we do not. Right, that's fine. So, okay, so what I'm trying to understand is, uh, what. What makes it such that when I can't have like a default level of belief, right? Like all else equal, I'll just believe whatever the uh, Gazan health ministry says. And then when I have extra evidence about a specific case, right? Like I have extra evidence about the Al-Ali hospital explosion, then I'll change my view on that specific case, right? What's like, what's inconsistent or incorrect about that position? I mean, you, you can do that, but no one else is. Like everyone else is just repeating uh, 30,000 dead, 29,000 dead. Even the fact that I said that 12,000 have died is not really reported. So basically, we're treating all Palestinian civilians and combatants as civilians. So, and, sorry, and, then, and then we're saying this is too, too, high of a num too high of a figure. We have to stop the war. And I'm just saying, let me just do a quick look at the figure and say, look, there's three... Let's say let's, there's a couple of ways or three ways for someone to die in, in Gaza. Either they die because the IDF killed them, either they die because the Hamas killed them, or they die because of natural causes like crude mm -hmm. death rate or something along those lines. Those are the three ways. And we're concerned by the ones that died by the IDF and are not, um, not combatants because we, we, 
We don't want to have too many civilians, you know, understandable. They need to be uh, protected according to international, international law. So we need to figure what the number out. So I'm just going by the removing all the other cases and saying this is how many civilians are there. And I, I'm not saying none have died. I'm just trying to get like a more balanced outlook on it. Okay, so the the Gazan Health Ministry uh, says that there, it says that there are like um, something like twenty thousand civilians that have died. Right? Is that is that incorrect? No, it's saying it's saying like twenty eight thousand. Did they say? It, and they don't differentiate. Total? They don't differentiate between civilians and combatants. Then you never have. Okay. So. Um, and th- and then that number gets repeated by, you know, the UN, BBC, CNN, everyone, and everyone just assumes it's civilians, but it's not. Okay, uh, sure. So, okay, so first of all, I'm I'm not exactly like I don't have that high of a level of trust in the Israeli uh, reporting on the number of like um, the number of military personnel killed, but like let's just say for the sake of argument that they're right. Right. So I still think that like 16,000 civilian deaths is enough for like my arguments to go through. Um, On its own. So let's, so how many would you say did from that 16, how many would you say uh, Hamas killed from rocket fire? 2000 rockets. Give a, you you give me an average. Per rocket, it's it's really hard for me to say. I have no idea. Maybe give me a low, be, give me let's give me a low number. Okay, I'll. Well, the thing is that it, it's I just like know almost nothing about this, but I'll give you my very uninformed take, which sure. you know you I'm happy to discuss. Would be like less than one person per rocket. I don't know about less than one because you already have 471, but for one but rocket, neither so of us believe I, I, that I, I 471 were actually killed, right? To be clear, neither of us actually believe that 471 is, is true. Okay, but if you if you throw... Ro- if, so let's say everyone says that Gaza is an incredibly dense population, and these missiles fall... These rockets, sorry, fall with their TNT uh, head and all their fuel, because the fuel was supposed to take them many kilometers. They sure. fall within Gaza. Now, let's say they fall in a field. Not always the case. Sometimes they can fall in a populated area. Sometimes they can fall in a building and, you know, co- I don't know if collapse it outright. Depends how big the, the rocket is. And the fuel can set things on fire. So sure. I don't know if it's one or less than one. I would, let's, let's, go with, let's go with two deaths per rocket. Uh, so I'm not comfortable going with that. And the first reason is, do you know what portion of these misfired rockets um, result in like explosions like it's it's perfectly possible to be that a large portion of the misfire is what, also do you mean that if they these are dumb these are dumb missiles they don't they will most likely i mean not always but most likely explode when they impact do you have figures on that i i just i'm not sure that that's true like well bear in mind right these are these are missiles these are rockets sorry with uh depending there's a, there's a variety of them but let's take the most common one uh, 10 to 15 TNT kilogram equivalent in the head and the body yeah. will have like a mix of fertilizer and sugar as fuel which can yeah. take it like I don't know 15 kilometers 20 kilometers 25 on the high end 
um and that like you obviously it fall that all gets exploded when it impacts or or burns when it impacts within Gaza because it didn't make the trip so yeah that's basically what you're looking at sure okay so um maybe uh, I, okay so I have a, I have an estimation method for this what about if we look at the number of rockets that Hamas fires at Israel and mm-hmm. then we like try to consider the number that like get through the Iron Dome and stuff and then we look at the number of deaths right that do you think that that's like a fair way of approximating the number of deaths uh per per missile no, I don't. I don't think I can barely think that's related at all. It's very different circumstances. Why is that? You're asking Why how many that? missiles were not exploded by a different system, and then how many people it killed? It's you, you, yeah. So what I'm these, saying these is are that missiles that were not. Ex- these are two 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 thousand missiles verified. Over two thousand missiles fell in, into Gaza. Sure. At different positions. And some, and they, they, I would assume most of them explode. I don't think they'll. Uh, <laughs> I would assume most of them explode or, or, or plaster mm-hmm. fuel. Some, some in like you know uninhabited areas. Some yes. Um, yeah. So yeah. okay. So here's what I'm saying. Here's here's the estimation strategy I have in mind. Right. Okay. You take all of the missiles that Hamas fires. Right. Then you subtract all of those that are inter- intercepted by the Iron Dome. I don't right? see the relevance at all. Well, because the questions you're asking is. If the if a missile makes it through, right, and actually like hits the ground, how many people die on average? But the Iron Dome doesn't cover Gaza. Obviously, well, yeah, obviously Gaza doesn't have an Iron Dome, which is why you're tracking out the Iron Dome missiles so that uh, you're like controlling for that factor, right? The Iron Dome. I don't know. I, I can't see a connection. Iron Dome is a specific system designed to take out missiles. That's its job. Like the only way to like uh, go around the so Iron they, Dome or hope the Iron Dome doesn't catch your missiles is to send a lot of them at once. No, uh, yeah. So I think, sorry, I think you're not you're not quite tracking the argument here. The idea no, is that tracking. you want a number of deaths per missile strike, right? Uh, so I I just want like an average per yeah. missile, including including missiles that hit nothing. Right. Yeah. So the average number of deaths per missiles that like hit the ground, right? No, hit the killed Palestinians. Well, we obviously we're taking into account missiles that we don't know kill Palestinians, right? Sure, just give me an average, just an estimate. I'm not uh, yeah, I, we can't so, really predict these things. Yeah, so I said I said I think a lot less than one. Okay, so out of 2000 you think 500 have died? Yeah, maybe something like so that. So 471 was the claim that is counted in, but you think two thousand additional rockets I, like completed another like you know twenty nine? Yes. That's that's the difference. I yeah, don't think so, so. First of all, I would ask you to not use the four hundred seventy one figure because we both don't believe it, right? To be clear, over and over again, we don't believe. But it is part of the tw- it is part of how they count the dead. That's fine, but I thought we already agreed. We already went through this entire discussion of how. But we, we can't we can't have a number. Point. We we can't like. We we can't you can't argue so strongly that almost no no one died from two thousand indiscriminate fully fueled rockets landing in a very dense population and it just happened to reach uh, what Hamas what Hamas was saying for one missile let's say they're wrong but it just happens to re- to be the same death count. Most of them don't land on or near hospitals, right? Um, second of all, 
So, so probably a hospital. Populated areas. Wait, why would why would the average spot that the missiles land in be equally populated? Gaza itself is very dense. (laughs) Gaza itself is a very densely populated area. Sure, that's fine. But the point is that there's probably not as densely populated as like a hospital parking lot where people, as far as I remember, in like the hospital explosion, there were literally people like uh, there are crowds in the parking lot. It landed in an extremely crowded area. That's probably not I, the case for most missiles. I don't know if it was in. A, I don't. I don't necessarily know if it was extremely crowded. There was some uh, people saying that there were some people sitting on the grass. But bear in mind, yeah, the parking lot itself had quite a few. It had like seventeen cars in it. That's positions sure. where people could not be standing because the cars were standing there. Yeah, okay, that's fine. So, so the point is just that, yeah, there were people, there were people uh, in the immediate vicinity of the missile. Um, the second thing is that I, I'm still not sure, right? Your analysis is just, look, a lot of these probably explode. I just don't know that a lot of the, them explode, right? I, there are plenty of reasons to think they might not okay, explode. Okay, so you're, like, you're applying... I, I, appreciate, yeah. I appreciate that you're applying a lot of skepticism to this. Why don't you just give me a number of how many thousands of Palestinians you think Hamas has killed? They're, they're, they're literally bombing their own population indiscriminately. They're killing right, people how, intentionally. Hold on. They're killing people yeah. intentionally trying to flee uh, areas where Hamas would prefer them to remain as human shields. They're shooting at people who want aid, uh, want to have aid from aid trucks, but Hamas wants to keep 60 to 80%. Well, it's not the case anymore, but it used to be the case that Hamas would take 60% of those A-trucks to itself, and if anyone that tried something, they, they would shoot at them. And if there was a protest, they'll shoot at the protesters. So just give me like a number in thousands you think Hamas has killed, directly or indirectly. Uh, yeah, so as I said earlier, uh, I, I don't really know, but I would think that maybe like 1,000. Okay, I, I would times that by four, but let's continue because this is not going sure. anywhere. So I, I also think that between three and a half and 4,000 people died naturally. So crude death rate of four per 1,000, population of 2.3 million since October 7. That's like 140 days worth. I would say that's between three and a half and 4K. Uh, wait, so sorry. You're saying, do you know that in the, in the like Gaza ministry reporting? Uh, the crude death the rate of the- Gaza Strip is four out of 1,000, yes. Yeah, but you know that they're including people who die of unrelated causes. I would, if if I were them, I would definitely include every, every death. Well, that I I don't think yeah, they differenti- I don't think they differentiate. I don't think that that's all. very. I I, I don't, I don't think, think they that's say, very informative. I do not think Wait, I do not think they would differentiate. Okay, but it sounds like we don't really know. It sounds like you don't really know. Well, they do say people have died since October seventh. Um, wait, That's the second. statistic they, they cite. Uh, yeah, so let's see. Um, so according to the the Gaza Health Ministry, I think it says I'm just reading Wikipedia on this one. Um Said since then, over twenty nine thousand seven hundred eighty two Palestinians okay, in so the Gaza Strip have been killed. According have been killed according to the Gaza Health Ministry, right? Okay. Okay. So then, it's not clear to me that dying of natural causes counts. I so I would I would believe that similar like we've done in the past 
with COVID numbers that people say this person died with COVID, therefore he died of COVID. No, that's not true. We had that in the UK. Okay, okay, sure. In the US, uh, uh, that's I'm pretty sure that the reporting was better than that. So we we had died with COVID means died of COVID. Um, sure. So I but I'm yeah. going to say that since Hamas is interested in inflating the numbers, and that's and they are. Um, then I would say that any death they would count towards the death from October 7th, and they could say, because of the poor conditions that uh, Israel has put the population in, or they didn't have access to healthcare at the right time, that this is the fault of Israel. I don't yeah, think I don't think just... I don't think they're going to say, look, uh, he had pneumonia, and this is not the fault of the Israelis. I mean, this just seems extremely speculative. I mean, I don't when think they so. Say- when they say have been killed, I think that if you just die of natural causes, uh, that like it, the, at the same nice. rate that you would have otherwise, then I'm just I'm just the, not sure. The, the, num- point is the that number your example, report, the number reported on all news outlets is like have died since October seventh. Well, sh- that's okay. So the the problem is that there are different ways that people phrase it, right? So yeah, I agree that some people might phrase it as uh, have died since, but according to other sources, it's have been killed. In which case, I think that we should take the more conservative definition, right? Because it's definitely true that at least you know the number that have been killed have died since. Could, right? Do Do you agree that amount, that these death rates, these death toll, sorry, is extremely important for Hamas because they're literally dependent on the international community, and they've said as much. They're dependent on the international community to put pressure on Israel to stop the fighting. Yeah. If Israel stops the fighting, like you've suggested. Hamas can exist if the if, yeah, sure. if the international community do not Hamas dies it stops so they're sure. literally the, their whole strategy their entire strategy to continue existing is that everyone else in the world is so outraged they put pressure on, on, on Israel to stop and then Hamas can continue existing and then and then three or five years down the line they'll repeat October seven and all yeah. the deaths will happen all over again. I don't think they'll repeat October 7th. Of course they're going to try to do the repeat October 7th. Why is that? They're going to build upon it. Well, so I don't doubt that they, they might try. Why would they be successful? So you, you, you're saying they won't be able to? Yeah, I'm, I'm just not sure that they'll be able to. Okay, let's let's assume they will definitely try. Sure. And with, I'm the, not, help, to be and, clear, and I'm with not. the help with the help of... Uh, the Iranian IRGC with Hezbollah, they're going to come up with a plan that builds upon what they learned from the last time, because they have learned weaknesses in the IDF. Uh, So, sorry, what you're saying, are you saying that like Iran and Hezbollah would like directly fight or just that they would like provide arms and stuff? They'll provide arms, they'll provide training, they'll provide uh, the anti-tank missiles that they carry, the RPGs. They literally trained 500 people in in Iran and in Lebanon for this attack. Uh, okay, sure, sure, yeah. Then I think that that's plausible that they would help this way, yeah. Okay, and they'll find another weakness. Like at some point, why? At some, that's what they look for. At some point, Israel's no, going to be complacent about about some particular reason, right? But I'm not at, sure at that's some, true. Look, the, the issue is just that, like, we... The, let, I let, think, let, let, let's look at yeah. this way, right? Let's look at it in another way. Um, we've had 
since Hamas has come to power, I think roughly every two to three years, something has, you know, happened. Either it was missiles, otherwise it was an attack. And, and every time, let's say every time it increases a little, like by 10%, right? They learn, they learn to do better, that they're, they get more training. I won't make that assumption. Uh, that's what Israel's doing. They also learn to do better. Everyone's learning to do better. Everyone's, right, okay, so everyone's then, innovating. Everyone's yeah, so looking for advantages. Yeah, why would we assume that Hamas invades faster than Israel? Like, why would we assume Invade that Hamas or does is, attacks? Why would Hamas's innovative? Why would Hamas's offensive innovation be faster than Israel's defensive innovation? It's a different. It's a different game. Israel. Israel does more like cyber security, and Hamas does more like thing like take uh, fertilizer and sugar and make Kassam rockets. It's a different thing entirely. Sure. Uh, so, do you think that, like, the Israeli? Why did Why did the Taliban Why did the Taliban push push the U.S. to some degree out of Afghanistan, while some of them don't even wear shoes? Well, I don't. I don't know that the Afghanistan that I think the Taliban controlled like certain specific regions, but um, I I don't know right, if they, they really like, they, bought the U.S. out of Afghanistan. They have basically, you know. Uh, Toyota Helixes and a bunch of AK-47s. It's not like the most advanced yeah. army in the world. Why did Vietnam, you know, with a variety First of, of different the... asymmetric war tactics and yeah, very so low weapons, kick the pick the Americans out of Vietnam? I think I think there might be two reasons, right? The first one is that because the U.S. Army is not defending the U.S., right, there's a lessened degree of political will, which means that they're less likely to commit massive amounts of troops, for example, to, to military maneuvers. But the second thing um, is that, quite clearly, it's much harder to fight a war if you have, like, local insurgents who are against you, who are, like, if you have, like, the average population member is not supportive. But that's just obviously not true in Israel. I think that the average, like, inhabitant of Israel is relatively supportive of the Israeli government as opposed to Hamas. And so will I collaborate with the Israeli government as opposed to Hamas when they can? Well, I don't understand your point specifically. What is it to do with fighting an asymmetric war? So the point is that if you're fighting an asymmetric war, it's a massive advantage to have the population on your side, right? Because they'll do things like shelter you, or they at least won't like... Won't, like won't like the Palestinians are doing Hamas? Yeah, that's fine. But the point is that in order for October 7th to happen, right, you need to have Hamas crossing in to Israeli territory, but they yes, can't but, set out. But these are yeah. not uh, right. But these are like guerrilla warfare tactics. They come in, they destroy something, they come back. Mm -hmm. They're just looking for a weak weakness. But they they need to. The problem is you need to be able to cross into territory on the other side, right? Sure. And that's not. It's not clear that that's very easily doable, right? Like if the Israeli army just had uh, some higher degree of manning of the wall, um, then it, probably it, Hamas would not have been able to do this, right? Also, look, Israeli intelligence is pretty effective. I think except, Israeli except intelligence... in this case. That's actually not true, right? Israeli intelligence had indications that yeah, Hamas they, was doing... They, they had the indications. They, right. they disregarded it because they didn't believe that Hamas yeah. had the capabilities to do it. Right. Yeah, of course. So then the entire idea is that once it happens once, you probably think that Hamas has more capabilities than you realize. And okay, so you let's, let, let, me, let me help you. I, I, I think you are wildly exaggerating this... Decide, and I don't think you appreciate how dangerous the situation is for Israelis. You think you you literally think it will be fine forever because is Israel is going to learn from this and they're going to prevent it. It's not the case. Every two years, every two to three years, something pops off. 
Yeah, like but, literally, they find other things. But uh, like the last time I remember something popping off before October seventh was in twenty twenty one, right? There was yeah, the you had twenty twenty one. Even in twenty twenty three, you had something in, in the West Bank in Janine. Yeah, how many people died in twenty twenty one? I'm not sure. You tell me. Like seventeen. In Israel or in in, uh, in Gaza? In Israel. Okay. Do you know that in Do you know that in 2022 there were 5,000 terrorist attacks? Most of them small, but there were 5,000. How many Israelis died? Uh, In 2022, I think around 36, but there were still 5,000 terrorist attacks. Oh, okay. Well, that's. Uh, yeah, so I see here casual uh, again, just looking at the Wikipedia page for the 2022 Gaza Israel clashes two IDF soldiers wounded, 21 civilians treated for anxiety. Uh, so look, I oh. grant that there will be a certain low level of terrorist attacks on either side. I just think that you're equivocating, right? Because the point is that you're you originally said, look, we'll have something like equivalent to October 7th again. And I said, no, I don't think that's going to happen. And I, so now you're saying, yeah, there's a little something that happens every few years. That's fine. A little something is nowhere near comparable to October 7th. I I would say that the situation has changed because um, of the backing that there is from Iran and from Hezbollah. Now, bear in mind, the Gaza itself... I'm not sure, I'll give you an example why this is important. Gaza itself, uh, the civil engineering in Gaza had some input from uh, Hezbollah and the IRCG. I, I call the IRCG SEPA, which is the, their name in, in Farsi. So sure. uh, they, they designed all buildings in, uh, in Gaza to either have a place to store munitions a place to store munitions or, or an exit for a tunnel hatch. So basically the idea is if Israel, and this is, this is kind of the same way that Iran is, uh, is made, like if, if America attacks Iran, it would be like a similar thing where <coughs> the outside coming in would be easy and then the more you get into the center of, of Iran, it would be more and more uh, casualties for, for the attacking force. So basically you have... Um, a building would either host munitions, so for example, you have to include either a room or, or slit between two buildings where someone can, can store munitions, or you store munitions like within the room itself, within the house itself, because you're ordered to and you're afraid of Hamas. Then basically what happens is Hamas combatant comes as a citizen, dressed as a citizen, sorry, civilian clothes, comes out of a hatch, picks up those munitions, shoots at a, at a tank in, in, the, in their ideal world, and then drop off the munitions because there's munitions scattered everywhere and walk away. If they attack uh, the, the soldier, the soldier dressed, dressed in civilian, he'll be around other civilians. They'll die as a consequence, collateral damage, higher civilian death toll, and more pressure on Israel to, to stop the fight. That's kind of how it's designed. And this is all, this is like 85% of the Gaza Strip is designed in that in that particular way so it will be very difficult once you're inside to to fight this sort of um urban warfare but not only urban warfare you also have you know tunnels that if you're going through like a city and you think you've cleared an area uh, they can just come out of a tunnel behind you shoot a missile go back into the tunnel and you, you haven't actually cleared anything 
So these sorts of things are stuff they have been planning for years, decades, or at least 16 years. They get help from abroad. They get help from basically other groups that, that are spawns of the Muslim Brotherhood. So uh, Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt, uh, the, the, the Islamic State of, of Iran, um, Hezbollah, there was one other one I forgot. But these kinds of like oral spawns of the Muslim Brotherhood, it's the same, same mentality. And I think they've crossed the threshold. I think they've, they've improved to a certain degree. And I think that if they, if they want to and if they, if they lull Israel into a sense of, of complacency because nothing has happened for a very long time, or, or they had a situation for the October 7th where prior to October 7th, Hezbollah in the north were moving things around and Israel was allocating troops, expecting something happening from the north and not from the south because the south, nothing's happened for a very, very long time. And they were complacent in that particular placing of their, of their army. So even in this scenario, it's not, it's not just it's Hamas against the IDF, it's Hamas, Hezbollah, IRCG, the Houthis, everyone's against the, the IDF and it's, it's difficult to allocate resources to the right point at the right time. So, sure, I, do, so I, do th- I do think they've crossed the threshold and I do think that uh, they've learned from, from that particular attack and, and similar attacks in the future will be as brutal. Or at, yeah, least so, co- at least coordinated ones. Coordinated, right. So, it, but in the sense of coordination, you mean like uh, with the logistical and training support of Hezbollah and Iran? Um, sure. But bear in mind, okay. October 7th, they had, uh, they had para- paragliders. They had people coming in from the sea. They had people crossing the fence with tractors. They had, uh, so that's basically land, sea, and air right there. Yeah, sure, that's fine. Um, so, so the point is just that it sounds like we agree that the major strategic miscalculation from Israel that uh, resulted in October 7th for them was that they did not have a high enough credence that Hamas would be able to have a really large, major, a really large military offensive. But obviously that's changed, right? So they could just allocate troops differently in the future. Like, why, why do you seem convinced that they're definitely going to be lulled into a false sense of security, right? This is probably something that's sufficiently traumatic and sufficiently remarkable for the future of Israel that I'm not sure that they'll ever leave the Gazan border this, uh, this, with, like, this few guards. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't agree with you. that. I mean, it's, it's a very quaint kind of uh, optimistic uh, outlook, but I don't think that... Uh... It can be the case, knowing what what has happened already. I mean, look, you. The October seventh was like one day before the 1973 war, like the, sorry, n- not not exactly, but like on the on the day of the 1973 war, uh, it was, um, and the 1973 war itself was was after the 1967 war. The 1967 war, Israel won very quickly, but in the 1973 one, no one believed that the Arab League will attack Israel again after losing so badly in 1967. So it, it, these things have happened in the past, they will happen in the future. Uh, people, you know, people in the West, they, they, they like to go to work, they like to come home, they like to pay the mortgage, play, play with the kids. They don't expect to be attacked at any point in time. 
including the soldiers, like the soldiers themselves, like nothing's happened in six, six months, one year. Oh, maybe things are changing. Maybe it's becoming more, more peaceful. I'm going to play backgammon with my friends and not take it that seriously. And then something happens. It's just, it's just the way it is. Um, okay, I, just, I guess I just think that this, this analysis is like not that convincing, largely because, for example... Well, the... I don't think you have any, any expertise to doubt me. But okay, do you have expertise to assert this? Yeah, I have three years of army. Oh, okay. I don't think that that's that's not the same as were you like a, a high level commander or something? I wasn't a high level commander, but I was three years in the army. Okay, I just I'm not sure that that's like uh, I'm not sure that that's expertise in it's the more than, relevant it's definitely more than yours. Oh yeah, no doubt. But the but the point is that you know there's a relative weighing of like arguments and expertise such that I've just a huge I've just cited I've just cited to you historical yeah. wars in, in in the history of Israel based on uh, your your criteria. Yeah. I, I must know something. Oh sure, yeah. Don't worry. I'm about to explain why that's relevant, though. Right? Uh, sorry, why it's not relevant. The reason why I think it's not relevant yeah. is that the critical miscalculation on the part of Israel in uh se- in seventy three was thinking that Egypt um, and the, the other Arab states would not attack again because there was like insufficient political will, right? Because they had lost in 67 badly. But the, the issue uh, on October 7th was not that they thought there was insufficient political will, right? Political will is something that's like relatively difficult to, to predict and figure out. They just thought that Hamas didn't have the capabilities. But what's Hamas well, why did Why did they think that? Why do they think Hamas didn't have capabilities? Yes. Why did the military officers, sorry, why did the intelligence officers that made it, that came to the conclusion think that? Um, I don't because because they were because they were poor because they, because they were bad, bad military officers, bad intelligence officers. They were uh, not good. Well, I think the actual intelligence officers were okay. Maybe it was some of the higher no, ups um, because the, the they, higher ups well, the, are the ones that the look. Is, they had a lot of evidence. Yeah. They did have a lot of evidence. They saw people training. This is something you can see in Israeli TV. If you see people training, because they did see some uh, some people training in Gaza, in like a like a makeshift, um, you know, like a like they do in like counter terror training facilities with like a w- w- variety of wars, and you and you go through doors and stuff, and you train like that. Um, they did see those things. They just they just thought to ignore it. These, these are unserious. The, the people there should obviously be fired. And the question is, can we get high-quality intelligence officers to replace them? Or is it the case that the people who choose to remain in the army for a very long term are people that are, are, not, are not that good quality? Because if they were, they would leave to the private sector and start making some money. Because you don't get paid very well in the army yeah. either way. So the issue, the issue is that I don't think it's... It might be partially an issue of quality. I think it's not exclusively an issue of quality, right? I think it's largely an issue of just like Brahmishin. Brahmishin, look, yeah. I I can't I can't take the, this this uh, line of reasoning seriously because you don't have anything to base it on. You're just doing the opposite of what I say. No, well, the reason that I have something to base it on is because we know from like the internal. So what we know from the reporting by the New York Times about the internal information process in Israel is that there were analysts who thought that this was a serious threat. Yeah. And then higher ups thought, yeah, Hamas can't be capable of this because historically they've been like a, a pretty fucking terrible organization who's incapable of planning large offensives, right? But the well, point there, is that there was a few there was a few considerations, but yes, the higher ups shut it down. Right. 
So, so the point is that the, the line of justification that goes Hamas can't be capable of planning something that's really that scary doesn't exist anymore, right? Because obviously they are capable of that, which means that it's significantly less likely that Israel does this type of thing, that, that Israel makes a sort of mistake of underestimating Hamas capabilities that results okay, in and, this. Okay, and, and what if Hamas practices entirely under tunnels, does no electronic communication to, to tip off the IDF, like everything is by pen and paper or meeting or whatnot? No, like like they have done now, and they get no wind at all of any operation, and they just hide the operation very. Or, or, or let's say they just practice in other countries, like they just outright don't train in Gaza. They train in other countries, come back, carry out the attack. What, what then? Oh, okay. So I mean, that would. So the first thing is that it's unclear that, that would be successful because I think that in addition to further intelligence, Israel probably mans the border better, right? But. The second, but the other thing to say is, I'm just not sure how likely that is. I think it's, it's very it's unlikely. It's happened now. It's happened now. And that what that they, they had training. Hamas is trained, um, they had trained. They had trained. They had training yeah, outside of Israel. They had oh, planned sure. the the ILCG or SEPA had helped them plan the attack. Look, you know there was like a you know there was a high level um, SEPA uh, officer that was killed by Trump, right, with a missile. Yeah, uh, yeah. Rough, roughly. Do you have you remember yeah. anything about that? Well, they were yeah. pissed. They were pissed off. Yeah, and they were sure. also largely pissed off. This thing is like two years in the making. Yeah, they've been planning this for a long time. The people doing the planning were in Sepa in 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 Iran. Commanders in Iran, because you you've got land, sea, and air already there. That's that's not something you can coordinate easily by like a a terror group. You need outside help. You need training to do these things. Sure. So if these things are if the if you have like a network of terrorist groups, different terrorist groups, where one of them controls an entire country with a very nice stream of, uh, of oil, and you have another uh, terror group owning half of Lebanon, like the outright southern half, then you know, it's, it's no longer just Hamas playing around in, in like a tiny strip. It's, it's a much more international thing. And bear in mind that this coincided with the Abraham Accords, to, to stop the Abraham Accords. Okay, so, so this this is a much more it's a much more regional thing than you think it is. And if they do have this much support, they absolutely can do something like this again. But but the point is that I mean, presumably they had a lot of regional support the first time, right? Yeah. Did you think okay? But they weren't able to train underground, right? Like the Israeli they could if they do. want to. Wait, why why wouldn't they then? I I'm not sure. Like. These things, you know, people make mistakes, or they they didn't think so, or the or the training was just like for the for the kids because they have some they have like training camps for children to to be because that's how they they get child soldiers in. Maybe they did it that way. I'm not exactly sure how they came about or how Israel came around with this uh, intelligence, but it didn't act on it. But if they want to, they can be much more stringent, or they can do more of the things outside the country, where it's difficult to pick up on those things. Yeah. So I. Even if this is true, my first response applies, right? But the second thing is, I just, I don't think I agree that they're capable of doing this amount of training outside. I'm not sure that the they number have. of people who, how many people have 500. they, like what portion? 500 right, people. What portion of the total number of combatants that were trained outside? As far as I remember, so I think it was, I think the number of people that, that went through the border were about 3,000. Yeah. I think, I think 1,000 were... 
By the way, they didn't just train Hamas, they trained a few other functions, PIJ, PLFLP, PL, PLFLP. And um, I think those were the forces that, that came across the border in, fatigue, in military fatigues, and they, and they were like killing and just continued killing. Um, so I think between a, a, a thousand, around a thousand, maybe a bit more, was that force. I think the rest were either civilians that came to steal stuff and rape, or, yeah. or civilians that did have like an AK. They had civilian clothes, they weren't trained, but they had an AK and they had like a military vest on, like with, with extra bullets. And sure. they, were like, they were like picking up people, uh, hostages, sorry. They were picking up hostages and taking them back. And then, you know, the rest were like, you know, stealing uh, farm equipment and, and, and bicycles and, and motorcycles, stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, so then, so then the point is that uh, I'm not sure that it's that like Hamas is capable of externally training the number of people uh, that they need for like a, an operation as large as October 7th again. Why? People can leave Gaza. Yeah, sure, but as you as you said, they didn't train. There are a lot of people who weren't trained. Who were sorry, were trained in Gaza, right? Um, for October seventh, like there were lots they, of. I do believe they had some training in Gaza, but I think the hardcore stuff was abroad because they don't they don't uh, have the expertise in house. Sure, sure, but the point is just that. They did drills such that Israel found out about it, right? Some, yeah, but they don't have to. They can do all the drills outside. That's what I'm unsure about. Why would I think that they could do all of the you drills could, outside? You could have the same setup building, the same setup anywhere in the world. It doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't have to be country-specific. Right, it's just that, you know, like you might think that if you're moving a lot of suspected Hamas members in and out, then it would be far more suspicious, right? This happened over two years. Not, I mean, they did manage. Sure. So, so then, why? These all seem like plausible reasons to me that would explain why Hamas did not choose to train all of their to do all of their training outside of Gaza, right? Oh, you're saying it's more expensive to train people outside of Gaza? It might be more expensive. It might be susceptible to detection, right? If if a lot of people leave and come back, yeah. I don't know about that. I'm not. I don't see why. Well, so the point is just that the these are fairly weak. These are like weak hypotheses that you might have. I have weak. Hypo- I have weak hypotheses. Me? No, 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 I'm saying those hypotheses that I just made are weak hypotheses. I don't think that there's like I don't know enough to say that there's good evidence okay. for either of them, right? But those are weak hypotheses that you might have that would explain why, if for the October seventh, mm-hmm. so few a relative minority of the attackers were trained outside of Gaza. So I'm saying, if you don't think that either of those things are true, then why do you think that uh, many of the people who went across the border were not trained in Gaza? Why do I think they were not they were trained outside of Gaza or not trained yeah. in Gaza or trained in Gaza because they couldn't go outside? Yeah. Why? Why were so many of the people? Why were so many of the attackers on October seventh not trained in Gaza? Sorry, why were they trained in Gaza? I think maybe the laggards. I think maybe the core, the, the core more serious. So bear in mind, like the... Yeah. Um, okay, never mind. I'll skip that part. That's not relevant. So you had like the core h- 
higher ranking people, the, the, the ones that were trained, they're like the, the most serious people. They, they do the more uh, difficult stuff. The, they, they, got, they can do things like attack military bases. Then you had people who were less serious, where the commando may have got training, but the people underneath him would not. But they have to follow the commander and they'll tell them what to do and, where to, and, and the commander knows more or less what to do and how to do it. Sure. Um, it's uh, so I would say they're like the less serious, less uh, lower ranked uh, in members that uh, will not didn't go through extensive training outside. Because the training, yeah, okay, the sure. training was like uh, sniper training, terrorism counter or terrorism training depends how you look at it. Uh, how to do? Obviously, you had paragliding training. You have training to. Uh, uh, the sea, the sea thing, because it's you know it's basically marine training in a sense. Uh, the, these things were done outside, and I think there was also, if I remember correctly, there were people trained by the police of some country. They did some kind of police training. I I forget, but uh, but yeah. Sure. Okay. So then the the point is that teams that. There, there's reasons that there's a cost associated with training outside of Gaza, mm-hmm. which is reasons, which is the reason why it wasn't done for everyone. So, uh, no, I, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I, it does, if look, if they, objectively speaking, if they build like a, a billion dollar underground, sophisticated underground tunnel system, which is like fifty percent of of London Underground in sixteen years, which is also something. And I don't think they'll shy on money. I think maybe they just wanted more people. They wanted to expand more rapidly than they originally planned. They wanted to event to be bigger. So they said, okay, we need some more people for this. We need to train them. We're going to have to do it here because either we're running out of time or something. I don't think money, I don't think money was the issue at all. Like, I can't imagine it is. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, that's fine. The point is what there there is some reason why they didn't just train everyone, right? And you say it's because like they planned out to make it a bigger attack than originally or something like that, right? Maybe. Um so maybe that means that there's like certain time constraints or whatever. The point is just that I think that those constraints would still apply in the future, meaning that it'd be relatively difficult for Hamas to just train everybody outside. Um and look, even if all of this is true, right, of course you still have the issue of like probably more Israeli soldiers on the border, which means that it's heavily defended enough that you probably don't have major breakthroughs. I don't know about, I don't know if you can put more soldiers on the, on the wall. It is manned and there are, there are army bases around it. Not, not right next to it, but not far from it. If it needs reinforcement, the wall to some degree, sorry. So let me, the fence that was there, I don't mm-hmm. think it was ever intended to stop an actual uh, force. It's it's more intended on like one or two individuals trying to sneak into the country. That's why you have yeah. like this uh, very fine sand on the Israeli side. So when they do cross the fence, you can see which direction they went. You can track them. And a lot of the time, it's it's actually just people looking for work. It's like one or two people looking for work in Israel. It's not uh, a terrorist necessarily. So sure. this is so I don't uh, think I don't think uh I don't think it is the case yet that Israel is was prepared for such an invasion across the fence because it's a fence. I think if you're looking like it it may need like a several 
year project where they invest in in concrete slabs a concrete wall and and perhaps two concrete walls one concrete wall and then like some hundred meter space and another concrete wall they did have drones also to take out uh lookout towers like automatic lookout towers and 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 uh sort of machine guns that are automated in some way so that's going to have to be rethought and yeah i think i think it will have to be redone the whole fence into a wall but as it stands it was never meant to take that kind of punishment let's say so there is a top part of of Gaza which does have a wall but certainly a lot of it is still fence and we're looking at a very very and we're looking at a very very large project to get that much concrete in um and even then like if there's a a weak part of the wall they can exploit it in the future but yeah it, we're looking at a project just to get it up uh, just to put a wall everywhere yeah Okay, so then it seems that you think that Israeli cap- defensive capabilities are getting better, right? Oh, by not the way, yet, I have to yet. go and like I have to go in like five minutes, but uh, uh, sorry about that. I this I messed up the timing for this, but in any case, um, sorry, I keep going. And, right, okay. So what I was saying is that yeah, but it sounds like then we agree that in order to redo attack like this, Hamas at the least needs time, right? Because as you were saying, it takes time to, for example, trade people outside of Gaza. You said that they had multiple years. So if if I grant all of that, then it seems that why, like, I'm not sure why they'd be able to pull off another major attack before uh, Israel is able to get better defensive capabilities, especially if a lot of those defensive capabilities just look like reallocating troops to the border. I, I, I think, I don't think um, Israel wants to live next to Hamas. I don't think, yeah. I don't think the population will accept that at all. I don't think you would accept it either. Uh, in their position. Whether they're effective or ineffective, I don't think you can comment on. I, I, I would I would just go with the trend that every every so many years something pops off, so many people dies on both sides. And yeah. and not stopping Hamas now, I would say you're repeating the pattern, perhaps with ten percent increase the next time. I I would right, look but, at I would look at it more pessimistically than you are looking at it because obviously you're interested you are interested in stopping the fighting now, but if you look at it from a long term perspective, more Palestinian civilians will die if Hamas is not removed now. But but the point is just that October seventh is like uh, a massive outlier in terms of the recent flare ups, right? So I. I just think it's unfair to use it as like the starting point for your estimations. I would say that the starting point of your estimations should be previous conflicts, like in 2021, where like 17 Israelis died. Well, it's right? very, it's very, it's very cute that you think that you're playing with people's lives in, in this like statistical mind. It's like, yeah, don't don't worry, not that many people. No, people are. I just think it, they're not they're not, in, they're not interested at all. And bear in mind, Israelis believed or Israelis have believed for the longest time, up until October 7th, that the reason why Palestinians are unhappy with Israelis is because they, they are poor, their material conditions are bad, they, they feel oppressed, and therefore, if Israel, may, if Israel helps them economically to, to have uh, a better life, better economic life, better material conditions, 
then they will have something to lose. They will have something to not want to fight Israel because then they'll lose this nice life. They had a good life in Gaza. Not, not, since, since invading Gaza, uh, the reserve people, the people who finished the army and come back because they're reserve units, they saw the most rich buildings, architects, cafes, restaurants, hotels in Gaza. That's not to say that there wasn't poverty there, but they had a very, very good life. Some people had a very, very good life in Gaza. And since then, there have been, in addition to, to what I'm saying now, there's been a flood of TikToks, which I suggest you look at, which basically have the hashtag Gaza before the war. You will see a very nice area that if I would say in an alternative universe, I would visit on vacation. It, so, and, and I always... It, it, Israelis, especially leftists, always believe that if you give them something to lose, like if you give them a good life, they'll have something to lose. They won't do, they won't attack Israel, they won't do these things. They will definitely attack Israel. They will definitely con- continue doing these things. And we, and we can't have a situation where we have like a black swan event and that's never going to happen again. W- what happens in, in 30 or 50 years when nuclear energy becomes more popular and you have like these nuclear batteries, small nuclear reactors, small nuclear batteries that you, you can buy now, like a nuclear battery. These terrorists take like a bunch of nuclear batteries from China, they wrap it all together, they let it go in, in Tel Aviv, and it kills a million people. It's not a black swan event, right? Like it, before we didn't have a statistical belief that it, it could kill so many people, but they found some kind of complacency. They found some sort of hole. They were planning it two years in advance with help with two other countries, and they succeeded in it. So why should Israelis, you know, be under that constant threat? It's bad enough that if you sit in a in a train in a bus stop randomly in any part of the country, you have a chance of being shot and killed. Uh, well, okay. So the reason that I think it's worthwhile is just you know it's like yeah, sometimes you just have to do the life math. You just have to figure out like how many lives it's worth sacrificing for some. No, end. and I think I, they they. Who would vote for that? Which civi- which uh, which group would vote for their politicians sacrificing themselves for something like that? I would. I you 100%. would you would vote you would vote in a democracy with the risk of you dying in it. Yeah, of for course. to not feel mean? safe. Yeah, well, there are plenty. I vote for plenty of laws that might affect me, right? But like, I, but I kill you happens. outright, endanger your life. Yeah, like I vote for there to be police. But please, okay. might kill me. Look, I, I don't think you're, you're, you're appreciating the level of terror that Israelis live in day to day. Like I just but, explained to you, you, you could be sitting in a bus stop, any, any bus stop in the country, and someone can either ram their car into you or, or open like a spray of bullets on you for no reason other than you're a Jew. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's pretty terrifying. I just think it's like not that statistically likely. Oh, my God. It's not statistically likely, and you and you lived for for an additional eighteen years. You make it to the age of thirty six, and then you die. But <laughs> I don't think that the average Israeli is dying of terrorist attacks. But the average, the average, first of all, yeah, it's a big country, right? So okay, so is this like kind of the argument that people had when mo- we had Muslim terrorists in Europe, and people were saying, "Well, you, people, more people die to car accidents, therefore it's not a big deal." 
Uh, yeah, well, the point is just that I think if something's like extremely unlikely to happen, then yeah, it's not a big deal. Well, why do people why do people uh, not want it to happen? And why don't people just say, well, look, you know, it's okay to have some level of terrorism because we have some people who die of car accidents. We don't stop cars. Yeah. We don't, you know, we don't regulate cars out of existence. We still use them. Therefore, terrorism can just happen normally. Well, the point is that I don't, obviously I don't think I don't think that either car accidents or terrorism are something you should just let happen. It's just if the alternative, is, if there's not an easy alternative to prevent either of them, then yeah, I just do think that you should you should you know bite the bullet. Alternative to whom? To someone else or to the Israeli people? So if if the Israeli people had like a bunch of um, political parties to vote for. And one political party says, "I'm going to solve the problem of terrorism." You're not, you 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 will always feel safe in this country and, and don't have to worry about terrorism. Who would Israelis vote for? Uh, I don't know who they would vote for. Uh, just just, I, ima- probably, just, Im- just imagine. Yeah, they would probably vote for the person who's like uh, super hawkish on terrorism. There we go. Okay, that's fine. I just disagree with Israelis. Oh shit! Who I, would, I have to who, would uh, who would vote differently? Yeah, okay, you can... I, I would vote differently. I'll let you have the last word, but yeah, I'd vote differently. I disagree that this is the right thing to do. Yeah, so I would say with regards just to the numbers that we didn't actually finish, that the civilian-to-combat ratio is actually much lower than people think, and considering that it's an urban, subterranean, in, urban in warfare, subterranean warfare, and uh, a situation where the combatants are embedded in the population and to some degree if they're embedded in the population the population is protecting them then I think that it is very good uh, um, civilian to combat ratio there have been experts on the ground from other countries that have confirmed this so I think and from what I understand this is the best in the world considering the circumstances and the difficulties there is no other country that can have better reduced civilian casualties than, than what Israel is doing Okay. All right. Well, thank you for speaking with me. Uh, Thanks for your time. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you as well. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.